Good morning, my name is MacDiel. I'm one of the pastors here at Renew. And we are in our time, we're gonna read out uh, the scripture reading for this morning, and it comes from uh, Genesis 11, verse one through uh, nine from the NIV version. And you can read in your Bibles, your phone. It's also gonna be on the screens. And before we do that, uh, would you join me in prayer this morning for the scripture? Father God, thank you so much for this time, for this uh, opportunity just to be here again, to uh, just to spend time with you as we do during the week, but uh, as uh, we come here as a community just to uh, not only worship you, but like to know more about you. And I pray that the, the sermon that um, you can just speak into our lives, into our hearts, and that you can uh, speak truth and then your word can just move inside of us and give life. And then we can share that with other people and uh, the people that is around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Genesis 11, 1 through 9 says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people move eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They say to each other, come, let, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortal. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may, may make a name for ourselves Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if one, of, if one people is speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them for there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Amen. God is good all the time. I, God is good, and I am feeling good. I feel glad to be back um, with you in person. Um, had a bout with the Rona, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, you got to experience, you know, it was on my bucket list to have COVID, but I didn't want to be irresponsible and get COVID like just on purpose, but I finally got COVID and uh, it was good just being out uh, for a week and a half, couple weeks and uh, sleeping a lot and milking it with my family, all of that stuff was nice, but, uh, um, but I was stir crazy. I was getting cabin fever just because 
you know, being in isolation at home and not being able to go out. I, I usually, during the week, love to go to Costco at least three, <laughs> three or four times a week and go, go to the grocery store just to see what's on sale and pick up things. It's a really exciting part of my life, but I didn't get to do that. So I'm uh, glad to be out and about again. And uh, I, I haven't worked out for a couple weeks, so I'm feeling that antsiness. And as my energy picks up, I'm excited about that. Um, but before we jump in, let's take some time to um, listen. Um, because we are in a series called Spirit Led. And I think one of the things about being led by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is uh, to take some time to listen um, to God's voice for the Spirit. And if you notice, there's a table in the middle there. So throughout our time, there's little hexagons there and markers. Um, if you feel compelled, you can grab one or two or three and just write things down that um, the Holy Spirit may be impressing on your heart, stuff that you God is saying to you, anything. Like even if you don't think, well, is this just me or is this God? Is this me? Just write it down. Um, and then you can either keep that to yourself or place it on the table. The hexagons kind of fit together, so, you know, they make shapes and stuff. Um, so let's take some time and quiet. Spirit of God, uh, we come into this sanctuary um, wanting to hear a word from you, wanting to hear from you. Will you still our hearts? Um, will you give us listening spirits um, uh, so that we can be open to what you've been saying to us, uh, what, you're, what you want to say, what you have been saying, and yeah, make us a community that is led by the Spirit and um, is conscious and sensitive to um, your words in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I uh, brought this prop. It's actually a microphone cord um, from the worship team. But I was thinking today, you know, what kind of demonstration or prop uh, could I have? Um, so I thought of this. Um, if I were to move this, imagine this is a, yeah, just imagine this. Uh, if I were to move this, and this is a rope, and I was going to lasso this imaginary, let's call it a calf, a cow. Um, I'm a rancher, a cowboy. Now I'm going to lasso this, but I want to move this, right? I want to move it. 
Sorry, Andrew, I'm going to bend this cord up. Uh, and I'm going to move this. <laughs> Anyways, how would I, how, which, in which direction should I move to move this? Right, I want to go away from it, right, to pull it. Would it work if I'm going this way, if I'm trying to push this object with this rope? No, right? Um, so it only works this way, and I'm going to be struggling if I'm going this way. And that's because it, it matters in what direction you're going and what, what's like, what, what the force is, that, what, what's leading, right? And I think that's an analogy for us. Oftentimes, um, we are pushing the thing in the wrong direction. We're pushing our life or the problem or whatever task we're doing or, you know, just the journey, we're pushing with, a, with our ropes. We're pushing with our ropes and it's not going anywhere. We're putting a lot of effort, but we're not going anywhere because it's in the wrong direction. We're not being led uh, in the right way. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that I, I got the virus uh, this last couple of weeks and then immediately kind of, you know, not so far um, from when I just got off my sabbatical because the general lesson that God has been kind of pushing on me is wait, right? Wait, listen, be still, be a better listener, you know? Let me lead you. Um, listen for my word. Don't get ahead. Um, don't be such a control freak. All of those things. Be still and know that I'm God. And I feel that in a lot of ways, the reason why I don't experience power in my life or power in the things that I do is because I'm using, right, I'm trying to push with the rope rather than waiting and allowing God to lead me um, in the way that he's going, to pull me um, with his spirit in, in, the, in the right direction. Are you with me um, in that analogy? And I think that's a good kind of lesson for all of us and a discipline or a reminder that oftentimes we run this race that is our lives. We run this race, our, we're busy, we have work, we have family, um, we have, you know, our careers, we have, you know, a lot of things that we worry about, the world around us, and we have ideas about what we want or how we want things to go in our life or how we think uh, we should get from point A to point B. Um, but oftentimes our agendas and our ideas and our plans um, are just us pushing with the rope, right? Rather than waiting for God to lead us. And really, that's one of the hardest lessons to learn. That part of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to follow Jesus, is again to lean on and to trust God that God has good life, the good life for us, that God um, is going to lead us, that God actually speaks into our lives. And so a discipline for Christians, for followers of Jesus, for Christ's church, is to stop and listen, right? And that's really, really, really hard 
to do. Um, it's even hard for me to stop and listen to my daughter, and she's cute, right? And she's funny, right? But when I'm busy or I'm preoccupied and she wants to hang out with me and tell me about her, you know, play a game with me or tell me about, you know, something that went on in school, it's hard for me to just sit there because it's like seven-year-old stuff. It's not very exciting for me. It's not like solving any problems in the world. And so I'm like, okay, 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 I'm, I'm busy, Cammie. You know, and then she walks away, and then 10 minutes later, I'm like, she just initiated with me, and I just ignored her. Ah, like, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I stop? And so I think it's good for all of us to stop and listen, and it's a discipline. Part of being spirit-led is actually, like, you know, stopping what we're doing, pushing with the rope and allowing God to reverse the trajectory and lead us and speak to us. Um, so now you may be asking as we enter into the Spirit-led uh, series, why are we talking about the Tower of Babel, right? As we, as we talk about being Spirit-led. And actually, this sermon... Uh, what I was supposed to do last week uh, to kick off um, the Spirit-led series because last week was what? It was Pentecost Sunday. And in the common lectionary, in the revised common lectionary, uh, the passages uh, for Pentecost Sunday are traditionally Acts 2, Pentecost, and then you have Genesis 11, which is, which is Babel. And you look at those and you're like, how are they connected? How are they related? Right? And the, the kind of common thread between the two is this notion of different languages, right? In Acts 2, you have the Holy Spirit comes down and people from different places, the, um, the di diaspora um, of surrounding nations, they're speaking, they speak different languages, but they hear the gospel being preached in their own mother tongue, in their heart language. And, every, and that unifies the people. People gather together around the apostles because they hear the different languages and uh, the gospel being preached in the different languages and they understand. Everyone understands. And in the same way, here at Babel, there's the theme of languages and different languages. But when we read our passage in verse 1, it says, now the whole world had only one language and one common speech. So this is Genesis 11, so it's all, you know, Adam and Eve, creation story, you know, Cain and Abel. Um, and so we have the creation story, and then we get here, people are starting to grow. The family, the first family has, you know, followed the, the creation mandate of being fruitful and multiplying. And, um, and then we get to Genesis 11. And we, we read that in verse 2, the people moved eastward. They find a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they, they say to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they said, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make 
a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And there's so much packed into just these couple of verses. There's so much packed. If we remember in Genesis uh, 2, oh, Genesis 1.28, God creates order, right? You have the creation story in the Bible um, along with the various accounts following this. And the beginning of Genesis is basically a, a, like a high-powered lens view, right? A bird's eye view into God of the universe and his love for creation. And this, and this love story beginning, right? Creating the world and creating humanity to be in the world as image bearers of God. And in creation and in God's love for creation and humanity, he gives freedom to people. He gives so much freedom and responsibility. And God's love offers space for people to flourish, to thrive, to play, but also offers boundaries to ensure that those spaces are good, are good spaces. And then in Genesis 1.28, you get the, the creation mandate. Basically, it reads, prosper, this is the message version, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. God gives people the freedom of will, but then tells Adam and Eve, play, roam, multiply, fill. Here's my playground for you, right? Don't just stay in this corner. Go and explore every nook and cranny. Go play over there in those waterfalls. Go jump into that lake. Go explore, adventure, and flourish. I'm going to make you flourish. Multiply. Have babies. Have more and more families. Expand yourselves and explore. Go out. Scatter. Fill the earth. Fill all of creation. I didn't create it just so it can be hidden in a big mystery for everyone. Go and explore. So this is the cultural mandate. And when you think of command or mandate, you think of command, right? Here's this rule and I'm commanding you to do this. But this creation mandate is more than just a command. It's also and more fully a blessing. It's God blessing humanity. Right? God wants humanity to be fruitful. God wants humanity to flourish. God wants his first family to have children and grandchildren. God wasn't satisfied with a single image bearer. When he said to Adam, or when he said to himself, let us make humans in our image, right? His intention wasn't just Adam. Just Adam is going to be in my image, right? Just one single image bearer. One family be the image bearer. But in that kind of mandate to fill the earth and flourish and multiply, God wants the earth to be full of people who share in his own image, amen? Right? Like, not one person can completely embody 
the fullness of God's image is another way to put it. It's you need so many more people to, and all of those different people and cultures, they can approach, more fully approach my image, if that makes sense. The fullness of my family is not just in you, but in what this vision of this creation mandate. Go out, multiply. The other thing that we see in these first few verses are the people, they're, they're settling in, in the plain of Shinar, and they say to each other, come, let us, let us make bricks. And when you hear that phrase, come, let us, that should immediately trigger that echo of, come, let us make for us people, humanity, in our image, right? God in his creation saying, come, let us do this. Come, let there be light. But instead of God saying, come, let us, it's human beings saying, come, let us make for ourselves. Again, in verse 4, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches so that we may make a name for who? For God? No. So we may make a name for ourselves. For ourselves. And then if you back up for the, um, to the creation story and actually to the fall of humanity, the interaction with the serpent in the garden, um, it's the serpent that first introduced to people um, the idea that God could be this kind of power-hungry person that does it is like not wanting. It's like Anna, if you know Anakin Skywalker before he becomes Darth Vader, right? You're just trying to hold me down. You don't want me to get, You don't want to teach me power or give me power. You're wanting to sit on me, right? And that's what the serpent kind of the inception that the serpent puts in people's minds is like this ring of power, right? You must have the ring, the precious. I did, the serpent says to the people, did God really say that if you eat of that fruit, you'll die, right? And then the serpent introduces this idea, the drama, he puts the drama into it, right? He creates drama by saying, God doesn't want you to do that because he doesn't want you to be as powerful as him. He doesn't want you to eat from the tree of knowledge because he doesn't want you to be as powerful as him. So that's where this, this notion of instead of making a name for God, right? God is trying to keep his name for himself, glory for himself. We can make a name for ourselves. We, and here you go. That's pushing with the rope, right? Instead of God leading us, instead of leaning on God, instead of trusting on God, we are going to take matters into our own hand and build for ourselves our own glory, our own power, our own tower, our own power of to- tower of power, right? And to be on the Lord of the Rings, you know, motif, it's the, the tower of Mordor, right? The eye of Mordor. Um, anyways. Uh, but the Lord, verse 5, came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, 
If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, the nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the world, whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. <clears throat> the other thing um, that the people at Babel are doing in building the tower is they're saying, let's build the tower, otherwise we will be scattered, which isn't that reverse of the uh, creation mandate. God said scatter. And they're saying, we don't want to scatter. We actually want to consolidate resources, consolidate, use our power, our resource, our know-how, and consolidate ourselves so that we can build this tower and be powerful, right? And if you think about, you know, world history, politics, corruption, isn't that when trouble starts, right? It's how... Even in the church or in the corporations and businesses, we have issues we have because of sin and because of how we deal with power as people. And when we as people begin to collect or consolidate or conglomerate power in order to be more secure or kind of we ally ourselves, we create gangs, we create tribes, you know, we... We uh, leverage our privilege, we leverage our background, we leverage, you know, our gender, we leverage this or that in order that we can have the advantage. That's when problems start, right? And um, what's happening here is they're literally building a monolith, right? One culture, one people in one place. And the, the natural kind of interpretation of that is, if we do this, we will be powerful and we will bring glory to ourselves. Do you see what I'm saying? And the fear, the threat is, but if we're scattered, we'll be weakened, right? We don't want to be scattered. And this, I mean, this metaphor, this analogy, this, you know, picture can be applied in so many places, Right? The reason why we have issues um, with race or culture, right, um, is because we tend to feel more powerful when we are monolithic, if that makes sense. When we gather our resources and our power into one single monolith, into one single culture. And so this is what's happening here. But God is like, no, I need to be pulling the cart. Right? And my command is that you guys spread across the earth and play. Trust me. Right? There's this far better adventure. And my image is, I'm more glorified, and my image is proclaimed more fully when you are scattered. And so what does God do? God confuses the language so they don't understand each other. And what ends up happening is the, the creation mandate in the first place. The Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. And this is kind of the beginning of nations and languages and cultures. 
Um, this is the kind of the Bible's creation uh, story for how different nations and cultures are formed. So the issue here is traditionally this, this passage, Babel, is often interpreted as languages and nations and ethnicities are actually God's curse, right? God's punishment. And then, then at Pentecost, it, people say it's the reverse Babel, right? God reverses Babel at Pentecost. But actually, at Pentecost, wait, one, Babel or the, spreading, the scattering of languages and cultures is not a curse. It's a blessing, right? It's God's blessing for people. Because the original blessing is go and scatter, right? Be fruitful and multiply. You aren't doing that, so I'm going to do it. And I'm going to use languages to help you in that process. Languages, different languages and nations and ethnoses and, and, and cultures are a gift from God, a blessing. If Pentecost was a reversal of Babel, then the people at Pentecost... Uh, it wouldn't be they hear the gospel in their own heart language, in different languages, and are united in that. The reversal of Babel would be God would erase their heart languages, and everyone would, the gospel would be preached in one language, and everyone would understand that one language. Right? But that doesn't happen because it's a gift, right? Different languages and different cultures are a gift. So God, through the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, affirms the heart language affirms the many cultures, affirms the many languages. The miracle is that even though people are scattered and have different cultures and different languages and have no business interacting and like having anything in common, the Holy Spirit makes it so that they un all understand the one Christ, the one gospel in their many languages. Amen? And the picture there is this diverse unity, not in conformity, but unity in diversity, right? Everybody and all their differences are actually miraculously brought together in unity because the Holy Spirit allows people to understand in their own context. That's the gift and the blessing. So what does that do when we just, just paradigm shift, right? And at Acts, in Acts 2, um, if you remember, Acts 2, verse 11 and 12, um, the people are amazed. And they say, what do they say? We hear them declaring, what? The wonders of God. What God is doing. The name of God. Instead of, we recognize the wonders of the apostle. The apostles are making a name for themselves. It's, we hear them declaring the name of God, the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? I want to go back to that creation mandate because it's interesting because in one sense you can read it and be like wow 
that's kind of like, you know, that's manifest destiny right there, right? That's colonialism right there. Be fruitful, multiply, take the world, and fill it, right? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. You can use that to, like, defend a lot of things. Oh, I'm going to multiply my people. I'm going to go over there to that land over there. I'm going to take it for God. Right? And I'm going to fill it and we'll flourish. Right? And it, it has. Right? It has been used in history to kind of justify the taking of lands, the taking over of people. This kind of idea of we are the people of God. We're destined to like take over the earth. But the difference is this, right? The difference is, is it for, is it out of our power and to make a name for ourselves? Or is it being led by God and, and God's word, right? And there's a difference between going into a land and building a tower, right? And going allowing yourselves to be scattered, right? To be sent out and trusting that God will make you flourish. Do you see the, the difference? When we're insecure, right? Birds of a feather flock together. We grab to the things that we know and we hold down, we, we like to dwell in the places where we're most fluent. We're fluent, uh, we, we can dwell, we can go in those places places we understand, the politics we understand, the language of power. That's why we like the cultures that we are in, right? Because it's where we're, we're fluent, where, we're, where we, we've got the jive going. But to be led by the Spirit, to be led by God, is to allow ourselves to be scattered and trust that we'll flourish nonetheless because of God, because God is leading us, because God goes before us. And when God does a good thing, when we're led by God, what the, the, the way to affirm that or the way to test that is whose name is glorified, right? right? When something good happens, the name of God is glorified. When a, when a church is doing amazing things and like for the gospel, for the kingdom and like going out there and reaching people and touching people and building up itself, who is getting glorified, right? Is it a superstar mega church pastor, right? Who's writing books and getting book deals signed and um, now having podcasts, you know, written on them about the fall of this and that. Right? Um, or is it God that's glorified? Do people see what's happening and say, man, truly God is at work in this place? If you look, you know, I've done just some studies into kind of Pentecostal movement or Holy Spirit uh, kind of renewal movements in history in the church. And there's some common themes, things that happen when the Holy Spirit is moving and there's kind of a, a renewal happening. And one of those things is there's this, even, even in a place that's uh, kind of patriarchal, like a, a patriarchal Christian culture, 
when the Holy Spirit comes and gifts are manifested, there's kind of an egalitarian movement that happens, right? Like women start to preach and prophesy, right? Along with men. It's not just one person, one leader preaching from the center, but all these gifts start popping up because it becomes more of a collaborative kind of thing, a collaborative culture, because the Holy Spirit is, we don't, know, we don't become the fullness of God's body unless there's, we're like a puzzle, right, a mosaic. It's like you can't have one piece of the puzzle see the whole glorious picture of what God is doing. You need all, you need this piece here, 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 and when it all comes together, no one person or group of people holds the main piece. It's everybody holds the piece, amen? And someone over here is saying, I feel like God is saying this. Someone over here is saying, man, you know, I've been praying and, you know, this has been pressed in my heart. Someone over here is like, oh, I have this verse, you know, that's been, God's been giving me this verse. Let me read this here. Someone over here, this five-year-old kid is like all of a sudden a master of the drums. Like, what's happening? Like, and this 12-year-old is preaching. Like, whoa, right? It's blowing our mind. And the pastor's like, I didn't plan this. Like, this is, does not fit into my strategic, right, my strategy. What's going on? And that's the Holy Spirit moving. Because God is saying, it's not about you building your tower. Right. It's about the glory of God. And God can do whatever he wants with whoever he wants. He can call anyone, men, women, children. He gifts many people with different gifts and on top of that languages, cultures, ethnicities, races, God those are all, we are all reflections of God's image. Not one people group, not one gender, not one thing, person can reflect the fullness of who God is. Right? If that were the case we're glorifying that one person, one culture rather than glorifying the fullness and the beauty of God. And none of us hold the key to that. None of us should have a monopoly on that. And that's, that's Babel and that's Pentecost, right? And when we switch that understanding, right, then the Holy Spirit begins to move. Right? Or rather, we begin to move out of the way of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Are you with me, church? And we begin to declare, as at Pentecost, the wonders of God in our own tongues. Um, so, the irony is, as I'm talking about egalitarian and many different people coming together in a mosaic, I'm front and center at a lectern preaching <laughs> at you guys, um, which is always, you know, whatever. Um, but I've put some hexagons right there, and we're going to take some time if we can get some reflective type music to just ask the Holy Spirit, to ask God, you know, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to me? 
and don't put any rules or constraints like whatever let's let's practice listening to god and the only way you work those muscles uh, of hearing god the voice of god and then it's just to like man god did god really say you know q-tip i don't know i heard q-tip like okay i'll write down q-tip who knows maybe five other people heard q-tip right or maybe god's saying you know you need to clean out your ears so you can hear me better right so that's my point is to like go for it that's how you work out that's how you exercise those listening muscles is no matter how crazy it is you just go with it and you keep doing it and over time you get more adept or kind of open to uh, the, the nudgings and the whispers of the spirit in your heart. So let's take some time. Just you can grab some hexagons. There's some markers. Um, if you want to write stuff down and put them here, like you can start putting them together. So um, we might see a mosaic of something in the middle there that we can all see. Maybe God's saying something to us as a body. So let's just try this. Right? If it's dumb, it's dumb, but we can try it, right? So let's take some time. Uh, just a reminder that the youth group is going to a ropes course today. Um, and the, I think the plan is if there's time to head to Mod Pizza first for lunch and then to head over to the course. So, um, yay! Um, and uh, as we go from this place, know that. We as a church only gather so we can be scattered. So may we go out and be scattered in the world by, by the Holy Spirit. Amen.